0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ninth episode of Cycles Podcast. We're here today with Zach Smith of Equinix Metal. Zach, we've known each other for five, maybe six years now, and it's been a long time. Well over half
1: a decade. (laughs) Well over half a decade. (laughs) Yes,
0: definitely. And so uh, good to to finally have you on our podcast uh, and and happy to, or really excited to dive into some of the initiatives that Equinix Metal is working on and uh, and just... uh, to talk about the partnership between Cyclone Aquinox and and a number of things there. So I guess starting off, uh, Zach, uh, it would be awesome to hear uh, a, a little bit about yourself uh, and maybe an introduction to Equinox Metal, um, and then we can go from there.
1: Sure, awesome. Well, thanks, Jake, and it's great to be on. Um, I think we were, if I was trying to, like, go back into my back-in-the-day time frame, uh, we were probably hanging out when Kubernetes was not obvious and there was a big debate going on. Was it going to be, like, I don't even remember, what was the Docker... Version of an orchestrator at the time. Well, they had you know, Swarm. It was. Yeah, it was it, yeah, it yeah, yeah, going to was... be? Was it going to be Swarm or Kubernetes? Like, I think that's like the time when we met. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was. It was late twenty. It was either late twenty fifteen or early twenty sixteen. Um, there we go. Uh, yeah, but
1: so uh, things were still messy. But they, they you know, luckily, um, change is constant. So here we are. Um, so, anyways, my name's Zach. A um, uh, little bit about me. I Live in New York City. I've uh, been working in the internet infrastructure uh, space or industry. Uh, Since 2001, I came to New York City from Orange County, California, uh, back in 1997 to go to school. Uh, I had dropped out of high school early. I couldn't stand being in school and um, decided I wanted to get on with my life. So I came to New York City and um, I went to Juilliard. I was a musician uh, and I was going to. Be a concert bass player and playing all the big orchestras and about three, four years into that, I decided, nope, I didn't like being a starving musician and I didn't want to wait around for those types of things. Being impatient is a a quality I've seemed to repeat Um, (laughs) and landed my way through a series of jobs into the early days of cloud computing, Um, partnered with a um, a gentleman named Raj Dutt um, on creating what was one of the first um, virtualized compute clouds using Xen and uh, that business went well. Kind of uh, sold it eventually, as the big hyperscale clouds were coming around in 2011, and uh, you know, vowed never to return to the world of internet infrastructure. You know, two years later, my brother's sitting at a bar with me and says, like, "Zach, come on, like, let's let like, let's go fix the the hardware for for developers thing." And so we decided to get into highly automated hardware for a developer generation. We started a company called Packet. Um, ran that for a few years, raised some capital. Did some things that I was uh, not very good at, made some mistakes, made a couple of right choices. And um, in March of 2020, um, packet was acquired by Equinix um and so we i now work for equinix uh, where i where i run the equinix metal division and basically a, it's a business unit of sorts and um if you don't know about equinix we're the world's largest data center operator we were founded in 1998 by jay adelson who is later famous for founding big um and uh he created equinix as the neutral place for the internet to kind of live and grow and so equinix actually stands for something like equality in the internet exchange or something like that and it was it was this time where it was kind of in the late 90s where it was not really clear where the internet was going to live was it going to be proprietary within telcos right like the the incumbent you know um kind of nationalized carriers or was it going to be these private internets that were coming around like aol or whatever that had their own content and their own things and um you know jay really fa- thought that there needed to be a place where um these different sides of the internet could meet in a neutral manner and so equinix's business was born and um, we've kind of continued to prosecute that business since 1998 in terms of building ecosystems, that first one being the world of networks over, I think it's something like three or 4,000 networks live at Equinix across the world. Um, we then helped create other ecosystems like financial services, where vast majority of the financial transactions in the world happen at Equinix, and then later clouds, where we helped Amazon create Direct Connect. Uh, I believe that was in 2010. Um, or as a way for enterprises to have a neutral way to reach multiple clouds. And so you can kind of see the business has, you know, really been around creating ecosystems. Um, to give you some quick stats, um, we operate about 240 data centers, in 65 markets around the world. Um, and that means we've got a whole lot of pins on the map, places, buildings, you know, we're actually a real estate investment trust. So we, we operate as a real estate company that then gives you access to these interconnections, about 400,000 interconnections we have at our facilities. What I do at Metal um, is I help make it easier. I remove friction uh, from the process by allowing you to access kind of a hardware as a service, or we call it a digital infrastructure at software speed layer um, that allows you to reach all of the different locations throughout Equinix with physical unopinionated hardware being connected to all the right networks. And we do that with a nice programmable interface so that companies like Cycle can build awesome software on top of it and consume that as a base and a foundation for their um, end user services. So yeah, that's kind of what I do.
0: Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's really interesting to hear to hear the story uh, change over time of just back you know again back when we 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 started working together back when obviously it was Packet and for those who might be watching this and are are relatively new to Cycle, uh, Aquinix Metal uh Packet, was our first partner um, as we were building out Cycle in the early days. And um, back when we started, we had taken more of like a container as a service approach, right? Like where it right. was just, hey, you know, you upload your container. We were trying to be like the digital ocean for containers, but on top of bare metal infrastructure. And then as time went on, we had more and more companies reach out and say, hey, like, this is great. Like, we we, we like how simple Cycle makes some of these things, but we want to own the infrastructure. And so that's when we had to kind of, you know, tear everything down and rebuild it back up with with Equinix, where it was... Uh, we're, One of uh, the options. Yeah, well, we well, were a provider that we supported, but more so that our users were able to create accounts and, and dr- directly own that infrastructure, and then Cycle was just able to manage that infrastructure through those API keys. And that was the thing that changed our business because we had so many people starting to, to go through that process. But um, as, I, I, guess, I guess, so I have a number of things that I want to dive into uh, with, with some of the initiatives and things that you're working with uh, with Equinix Metal. But before those, I would like to just ask more of a, a another Question related to moving from PAC to uh, Equinix Metal, and, and specifically, sure. how has your you know day to day changed uh, from mm-hmm. from running a company where where you know it's you and the board to now do a position where you know you're part of this giant giant company,
1: and uh, you know I, I imagine your day to day is very different now. A little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, so you know, I, luckily, I was a little bit prepared for um, uh, you know an acquisition. Um, being that I learned a lot my first go around when we when Raj and I sold Voxel um, in 2011 to Internap, um, that was my first kind of round in being acquired, and you know I wasn't it wasn't a huge company I think it was like five or six hundred people Internap was at the time and we were like a hundred people, um, but it, it 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 definitely was this like cultural shift that we had now and ago and and i had a lot of just personal things i had to deal with you know you're building your own business you're running you're accountable for it maybe you're we were very scrappy we were bootstrapped the whole time so we were always out of money and all these other things right um and then like having to change that where not everybody had that same gritty determination and love for the business that you did they they, they, they wanted it to succeed they were working hard it wasn't about that but like founders have a almost obscene amount of passion for their business it's our baby yeah, it's your baby and like, you know, then trying to like expect everybody else around you to also have that, um, not necessarily the same. And so with, with Equinix, um, you know, we had built Packet, I think in a, we had focused on my brother and I, and um, Aaron, who was our early co-founder, we had focused on building not only a great product, but a better company. And so one of the things we really focused on early on was culture, right? So we had a strong remote first culture, um, really open and transparent really allowing, you know, kind of like the broader amount of, you know, people within the company to participate in the growth of our business, the positive and the negative, right? In my first business, I was kind of like, I shielded from all the negative and kind of, Hat like took that all on myself. We, you know, Raj and I spent a lot of late nights trying to figure out how we're going to make payroll. In 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 Packet, we were very transparent in that regard, so really open with that, and allowing people to be part of it. Of course, we couldn't do that when we were acquired by a public company. We had to be a little bit closed doors, um, but um, you know, certainly trying to be transparent as we built the business, and that created a strong amount of like I'm going to call it accountability throughout the organization. Um, and then we also practiced this thing called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, which was a framework we used to run the company who you know what people are there in terms of do they align to the mission you know do they have the same value systems as you do do they have the right skills in the right time of their life to run that that job um and then how we actually ran the company by great metrics by having repeatable great ways to um hold meetings and solve issues and so that was like very very part like a big part of of, of packet right but but what i would say was i'm not i'm not going to say that this is unusual in startups one of the things that you have and we had gotten to like 150 people or something. So you were past the stage where you could remember everybody's name, you know, that in, in the hallway, like, you could still do it, but it wasn't the same, right? And we were the virtual hallway, we we're always kind of a remote first business. Um, but we had gotten gotten bigger. Um, but I would say that one of the things that you you have in startups is you have a a much clearer sense of the of the mission, because you're usually not like, hey, we're the number one company in the world at x, you're like, well, what we're trying to become is this, so there's this big focus on the future and the vision, right? And I had a board member or an investor uh, selling to me one time in early 2014. We'd started Packet. It was 2015. I was, I was probably com- complaining a little bit to him about how hard it was. And he says, Zach, you're like, you're in the best spot ever. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have any customers. Nobody knows who we are. Like we're like we're we're competing in this market for like mindshare and, and we don't have any money. And he's like no 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 zach you have the best advantage is like you don't have any customers which means you don't have any past all you can do is spend all your time thinking about the future and so you're in creation mode all the time and that is a extremely unique skill and, and 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 a precious gift that you need to use because eventually you'll have a bunch of customers and you'll have a whole lot of things and you'll have something to report that just like what happened last quarter and then you'll spend most of your time thinking about the now and the past and not enough time thinking about the future. And so I would say that, you know, culturally, uh we had strong decision making, um very very rapid decision making at packet and also a very big focus on the next thing, always the future. And that has probably changed the most for me at Equinix. First off, we have like nearly 13,000 employees, so we're much bigger um than 150 people that we had at at packet um and so my role as a senior leader is very different leading through um the pandemic leading through change of integrating companies and aligning culture that's a big new challenge for me and then i would say those other two things are really the biggest differences which is i spend a lot more of my time focused on what's happening now and what just happened we are a public company. We report a lot of information to our investors. Like, you know, like there's a lot of that, right? Um, which wasn't a big part of what I was doing in a startup. And um, and then the, I would say that other thing is, is building consensus, right? We're in a company where there's a lot of cross-functional requirements in order to activate a larger business and 13,000 of your colleagues, you need to gain their alignment, which is not as easy as saying, I've decided we should go this way, which is kind of what I had a little bit of the ability to do within a startup. I was like, well, I've decided, or it's been decided that this is the way it's going to be. And, you know, like you could do that. You could turn really quick, um, if you wanted to in, in a big company, it's like a aircraft carrier, you know, it's like very powerful, but doesn't move very quick. And Mm -hmm. so getting like everybody to work together and aligned on that thing is the other thing I spent a lot of time doing. And those two, those two would be the biggest differences for me.
0: Well, it's really interesting to hear that. Um, obviously, you know, you're, you know, you're, you you're, you're much further ahead than, 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 than we are. But it's really interesting because, like, you're the, you're the first founder. Of a non-customer that we've had on the podcast yet, mm. and so it's really interesting. Um, and, and the first founder of uh, a provider that we, we mm. we've integrated with, um, mm. and so it's really interesting to hear just I guess founder to founder some of the the stories because it's like you spend so much time as you know you're going through these processes and building these companies uh, where is, many times it starts to feel lonely and it's like all right like hey I'm I'm doing this and it's getting results but is do, am I doing it fast enough? Or like, am I doing it right? Or you know, there's just so much time that you kind of spend lost in your head and uh, and trying to figure out things. That whenever you yeah. hear other founders talk about the hardships they went through as well, you're like, all right, this this is
1: not just me. This is this is it's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, and it is very hard, and it's <laughs> it's hard for the people around you, right? Um, you know, if you have family or whatnot, I think it's a very very difficult ask. It's not without it. its, it's not free. Um, and I think also. know personally i've i've really benefited from you know being really open about the challenges as a leader that i have right that's one of the things equinix has done really well is to focus in on personal development and mental health um, which has been incredibly important during this pandemic and i've leaned into that actually before the first thing that i did when i knew that we were going to sell packet was i got myself a therapist, right? So that I could talk through all the emotional issues I was going to do with getting rid of my baby and becoming a bigger part of a company and rebranding the business and doing all the other things I knew I would have to personally unpack and um, at least like recognizing at a founder that there's a lot of stuff in there, right? And so as you go through, whether you grow your business, whether you take on investors, you go through ups and downs, you sell the business, all these types of things are stuff that you as founder kind of have to deal with. Um, even if you choose maybe to just move from founder CEO to just like founder and not CEO, right? These are areas I think that it is good to talk about with somebody. Um, I'm lucky enough to have an identical twin brother who I work with. So we have a very close relationship and can kind of talk through, but I, even I went to access, you know, some other, you know, help that I could talk through these issues with because they are unique. And then frankly, um, when, when, when I became part of the leadership team at Equinix, it was something that I felt very lonely on because most people were not coming from founder-led journeys. They didn't have the same kind of emotional connection to to things that I maybe did. Not because they didn't care about their work. It was just a different, you know, situation. And what I what I needed to do is learn how to react to that differently and unpack those things on my own because I couldn't expect everybody to know what I, how I felt, or or you know, my reactions. So that was an important part of. You know dealing with the the founder-led you know <laughs> issues that i had to uh work through still do
0: yeah I, I mean i i appreciate that though because like you know so one of the things that like i mean i i haven't you know uh i haven't uh, worked with a therapist but one of the things that we've done within our company is uh we have probably our board meetings are probably more frequent than most startups we, we, hmm. we our board meetings are the first monday of every month and, okay. But our board meetings, we put a lot of energy into making sure that they're not formal. Like, like yes, we'll spend like the first five minutes talking about metrics and things like that, and then we'll take the the you know the next forty five minutes or so and just have a discussion about what's happening and things like that. It's really right. nice because on you know on our board we have. Um, we have, uh, I mean, former operators, right? So right. it's like current and former operators. And so it's really nice because like these are people who have been there kind of, I don't want to they say they've done, your done shoes that before. because yeah. everything's, every, I mean, every company is different, right? But they understand the stresses that founders go through. And so it's nice to be able to have advice of people who obviously you know are, are involved and want to help, but.
1: Um, Got to have a safe space to talk about those things. So that's your, your outlet, right? It
0: is. And like, I've, I've realized like a lot of people have said like, hey, we've had of uh, people that I've talked with over time that. I'm like I could never be in a company that has monthly board meetings and I'm like yeah but this is this is my this is my way of like like finding mental peace right is if I if I can if I can have you know open and honest conversations with these people um, it helps me uh, keep keep a stable but um, that's great that's I'm, I'm glad that you have that with your board that's really awesome. It, 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 it's it's really nice but um so you know i guess diving into some of the i have written all these questions that i wanted to dive into <laughs> for some of the things that Equinix metal but I, I mean i've loved the conversation because it's a conversation that i haven't been able to have with anyone on the podcast yet and i think it's an important conversation to have but shifting to Equinix metal um so recently i, I saw that um I, I know that you had put out a, a a blog post um in early october um about um it was, it, was, it was about cooling and some of the some of the sustainability efforts that, yeah. that uh, Aquanex is currently working on. And so uh, I'd like to, to learn more about those. But specifically before I guess I dive into the other questions is in the article, you mentioned a number of times uh, the open 19 project. Yep. And for anyone who's watching this and that is not familiar with the open 19 project, uh, would you be able to give uh, like a high level briefing
1: on on uh, what that is? Sure. Yeah, um, so uh, Open19 is a project within the Linux Foundation where we work on a standard um, for uh, kind of the mechanical aspect of putting computers in racks. So what we work on is what's called a brick um, with that we remove the power supplies from a server. And we basically use a a highly efficient power shelf with blind mate connectors on the back of these kind of what we call brick cages. They're basically just sheet metal with the right cutouts um, where we can plug power and um, network with blind mate connectors. And now what we're working on is a version two that increases the power fairly significantly, much more efficient 48 volt power, um, does some things on the network and adds in a pluggable liquid cooling standard. And what liquid cooling is, is like one of our biggest environmental challenges within data centers beyond we need a lot of power is that we create a ton of heat. And the current way, especially in a retail data center versus say a hyperscale data center, a hyperscale data center, you can kind of be very opinionated about the da- the hardware. Like you might have thousands of machines that look the same. So you'll design your cooling systems and everything very, very efficiently around that thing in a retail data center, like Equinix, we got customers doing all sorts of things. One rack next to the other could be two kilowatts on one and 20 kilowatts on the next one. And we can't dictate here's what your hardware looks like. You have to buy this thing to put it in our colo. And so we have challenges related to cooling. Right? Definitely we have power issues, which we you know certainly worthy of a conversation, but our biggest issue is actually cooling or maybe said a better way, removal of heat, right? And that's because chips are getting hotter as we move to things like machine learning, accelerators, DDR5, faster networking, you know, new processors going to seven nanometer, like all these things create so much heat. If you ever sat with your MacBook on your lap for a while, you will understand exactly what I mean, but try that with, you know, Dual sockets of 400 watt, you know, things with all the fans and all the DDR things and all the memory and all the accelerators, and suddenly you're pulling multiple kilowatts per box. And so what we've been working on is a standard um, within Open 19 to allow us to use liquid, like a closed loop system, to run it over the processors, right, or the high high heat generating components and capture that heat and remove it in a more efficient way what's really neat about it is not only can, can we dramatically lower what it costs to air condition the things and push cold air all over the place um, we can we can basically remove waterways because we spend millions and millions of gallons of water that we have to evaporate today in kind of standard air conditioners and we can make that a closed loop system where we actually don't waste any water it's really important in certain parts of the world where we just you know we're really we're really you know challenged by our water use um and then i would think the other way is that we can actually take that heat as at such a high temperature that we can use it to create power or actually sell it back to the grid or municipalities that need heat like to power a turbine or to heat you know buildings or related so like there's some really interesting opportunities we've even looked at how to do that with vertical farming right next to it like because they need heat you know so there's lots of interesting ways that we can take technology which is currently I'm going to say very energy intensive, very taxing on our environment, and our goal at at Equinix is to be net zero by 2030. And that doesn't mean just buying offsets for our power that we use. That means actually net zero from a carbon standpoint um, using science targets. In order to do that, we got to innovate with the entire ecosystem, and that's why we've chosen to do that within Open19, because it's an open standard that OEMs like Cisco participate in, and power partners like Schneider Electric, because we can't do it on our own. We need to work with a collaborative ecosystem to build a standard so we can roll out these technologies much, much faster and more ubiquitously.
0: I mean, all of that is really fascinating. Like, I, I it, sustainability is something that's always been very important to me. Uh, so it's it's nice to know that one of the companies that we partnered with is 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 taking that story and uh, is sorry is taking that 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 initiative and that that goal, and not as you said, just buying offsets, right? But actually working towards becoming truly net zero and in that same article that i was reading that you had written um you had talked about uh taking the extra heat and actually powering residences with it over in helsinki and how how did that come to be
1: is that, is that something you can spend? Well, i don't know the <laughs> specific of that project i mean um what's fascinating is it's happening all over the world right now mm-hmm. right like suddenly what went from being two years ago and i've been involved in open 19 for a while But what happened two years ago used to be pretty siloed, like, oh, we're trying to do this because, you know, it's better. And now it's like an imperative. It is everywhere. It's being through regulation, through social constructs, through our customers. I can't say a single one of our big customers, like our Fortune 500, in every RFP now. Sustainability is up at the top. It's mm-hmm. not somewhere in the bottom of the RFP. And so we're seeing just this big movement all over to finding creative new ideas, because we're gonna have to use all the ideas, by the way. There is no magic bullet. Um, and, I, and I think that like beyond how do we make our operating of technology, clouds, data centers, et cetera, more efficient, there's certainly like, one thing we were discussing recently with Intel and a few other of our partners, was that even you like Cycle could um, really help us in um, managing our energy use, For example, when we have renewable access, we want to be able to power more intensive jobs. But when we don't have renewable access, we would like to express it to you somehow to let you know so you could do something about it. Right now, you have no idea based upon the power things that we have in the grid um, or our own generation capabilities, whether it's a good time or a bad time to run this intense machine learning job or re-index all your search queries, right? But like, maybe we could come up not with a bespoke integration for every single thing, but like, that's a place where I think we could do really well within the industry to have unique ways of telling you that. And you could build those into workload managers like Cycle or whatnot to help your customers use the existing resources at the right time or just more efficiently. Obviously, you're helping them use it more efficiently today, but we could also help you know, make it so that you could use it at the right time. And then I think one of the other things that we could do long term is is changing the business model. I really like the movement that we've had over the past fifteen years towards cloud, where basically the operator gets paid when you use the things. So that's good because it aligns our incentives. The challenge is that there's a whole part of our industry, including OEMs, like server manufacturers or silicon manufacturers, that don't get paid when you use it. They get paid only when you buy it and when you look at the actual carbon impact of a computer and it varies but like let's just use round math 60 to 70 percent of the energy use over a computer's lifetime is making the computer and so only about 30 percent is like using it and like maybe recycling it at the end Mm -hmm. and so so much of it is in supply chain process technology, building the chips, sheet metal, mineral extraction, all these kinds of things that go into like building the technology. Well, what if we could like make so that the industry was incentivized to use the technology longer versus throwing it out after the current cycles, which is usually three to four years because people always want the latest things and we're incentivized due to the economic model to do that. And so I think there are some business model things we can do, there are some technology things like giving you information and allowing that to proliferate through workload managers and standards um and and also just measurement right now it's really really hard for like we don't provide which is like an initiative we have internally you don't know how much energy your infrastructure with equinix or your customers infrastructure at equinix actually takes you have no idea what's the carbon impact of doing this and so it's very hard to say hey jake cycle you guys should do better at that when you don't even know what it is And we've kind of like, what is the phrase like, you know, sufficiently advanced technology is no different than magic or whatever that phrase is, which Mm -hmm. is super awesome, like we've made it magical enough that you don't know actually how much energy is being used to, you know, do X or Y, or even turn on that server. And like, that's a problem that we need to solve to give, uh, you know, measurement and availability and transparency throughout our industry.
0: Do you think that as time goes on, and more and more uh, manufacturers and, and providers are building like application-specific hardware, that that will help extend the um, lifetime of that infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I think that the big opportunity right now is we kind of not to use my warship. I'm not into actually battleships, but you know, not to use my battleship analogy, but you know, a, a typical processor basically has everything built into it, but you really only need very little of it. And the challenge is right now is like super hard. If you wanted to optimize software against one specific function, you gotta buy the whole big processor just just to do it, right? In reality, accelerators and purpose-built technology I think represents a massive opportunity not to make like 20% better, but like thousands of times better, you know, more efficiency on doing certain things. And I think you can see like what certain technology companies like Apple have done related to um, their M1 processor, right? Hey, we, le- we realize that everybody's using JavaScript all the time. Well, let's build JavaScript engine into the hardware. So that like 70% of what people do on their web browsers or whatever <laughs> goes better. And like, how could we create a, a way where that actually is a reality? Cause right now, you know, if you, who's like in the software supply chain somewhere, wanted to optimize against technology, it would be so difficult for you to actually take that technology and get it in a market that you wouldn't really be able to do it on the time scales that made sense for you. And so one of the other goals that we have at Equinix um, and my job within Metal is not to be like a provider of bare metal cloud, but a distributor and operator of technology. So the technology is in the right place at the right time that it can be used by the right customer. Now that's in my opinion, more of a logistics problem than anything else. And today we basically build technology. And this is what's so cool about Open 19 today if you ever been into a data center and seen all the racks get made you know hundreds of cables all put in in very special ways and zip tied and made all special we have done everything that's all about getting technology into the data center but we never have done anything to allow you to move that technology another another place and the packaging like we throw it all out it's not reusable Mm -hmm. so then how are you going to get it from like helsinki to london like you might actually need to use this specialty set of cards that you have and you need it in a different place, or maybe for a different customer. And right now those things are all built just a one-way street. And so if we can make it like they call it like a circular economy or a circular model, well, then we design it so it was reusable. We design it so that you could take that thing easily with, you know, low amount of friction to put it somewhere else or even do a secondary market. So I do believe that, um, within the next couple of years, like the next phase of workload is going to present an opportunity for, you know, developers who have already figured out how to make their workload portable. That's great. Well, now how do we get it on the right thing Now that's the next big way that we can save, you know, our planet our energy usage, and also meet the needs of our customers, which say, I want more access to greater technology. Yeah,
0: and um, I mean, it, 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 I agree with everything that you're saying, like, it just makes so much sense. And it's neat to see, you know, th- you th- you know things like this conversation are, you know, happening already with as you were talking about with it with Apple and their M1. Um, have, well, first, have you have you had have you actually had an opportunity to uh, test one of the new M1 Pro or M1 Max? Uh, I didn't conversion? try one of them yet. I, uh, I, I just to, got one. I need to go by. I got one uh, last and? Thursday. Incredible. Incredible. Amazing. So building <laughs> uh building containers on it. Um I, I've noticed like a eighty percent decrease in compile time. Um, wow. if, if if it's an ARM container, right? If you if, if you're building an Intel container on it, it actually it takes more time, but that makes sense, right? There's emulation built-in. But the, the point that I was getting at there was um, specifically of having those uh, those uh, efficiency cores built into the processor as well. It's just really neat. Like I, I'm I'm one of those people that like I'm 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 a data nerd in terms of like watching like how you know uh, all my different machines are doing. And so uh, I I run iStats. Uh, if you've ever run uh, yep. iStats on your computer, oh yeah. And so we <laughs> track the individual cores and things and it's really interesting to watch like like you know if i'm sitting there doing a compile i'll see all the cores you know doing their thing but if i'm just you know if i you know once it's done and i'm just sitting back and not doing anything you see everything shift over to those energy efficient cores and it's just so neat to actually watch little you know it's it's, i mean it's it's as you were talking the the, i forget the exact quote that you mentioned earlier but the magic of it all the fact that this computer is automatically making the decision that hey i don't need this heavy compute i'm going to switch over to these cores that use so much less energy and that's something that you know A a user does not have to make that decision. They don't have to build a specific application to say, "Hey, you know, when you're done with this, move yourself over to an energy efficient core." The
1: you know the 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 OS operating system or kernel or whatnot knows how to do that. Yeah, well, I think that this this lies one of the bigger opportunities we have is like to unleash that what what Apple's able to do in its verticalized closed ecosystem right, is to be able to do more of these things in open ecosystems. And um, I think that's why, that's why I spent a lot of time in Linux Foundation and related, but I'm also super excited about, um, you know, RISC-V and, you know, different kinds of, um, I'm going to call it open ISAs that allow this to happen. And I think we, we have a duty to kind of like connect the rest of the supply chain to make it available, but like, I don't think it's unreasonable that in, you know, five or six years, you could kind of order a specific, type of processor thingamajigger that does the thing that you want and we were able to put it in market really cheaply all around the world and run it for you and that could make your application or runtime or security regime or whatnot orders of magnitude time more efficient i think that's going to have to be a reality we have to consumerize the like supply chain of getting technology in the right place and then reusing it for the right purposes or recycling it and having a circular side you know along with that we're not there it is really far away from it, but I think it's totally within the realm of possibility.
0: No, it, it makes makes so much sense. And as- We're gonna know, get you
1: your M1 Pro, on demand, available everywhere. Just let me talk to the guys over at Apple. i no, just
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's a really relevant conversation right now because um, you know, before um, with Cycle, you know, today's Cycle only runs on Intel um and i was like yeah you know why you know is there really ever uh, a time to to shift away from that or to rethink that and and then with the the m1 uh with how how well things have been running on the m1 and then the efficiency cores and things like that like knowing that hey I can use less power if I if I don't need to you know need performance um it, it started to make me realize like you know there's a lot of improve or there's a lot of work that needs to happen on cycle to start supporting other architectures and being able to support arm and things like that is something that I think could be really powerful for this for exactly what you're, you're saying of being able to have uh, you know, uh, application-specific infrastructure. I think would be very powerful. And so, one of the things I've been working on recently is a because, like, like Cycle OS has like a static kernel built into it, right? And so, uh, I've been working on a way to have kernel modules downloaded after the server starts up. Hmm. And so that way, when the agent checks in, it says, hey, here's who I am, here's the infrastructure that I'm running on, and then we can push kernel modules back to it. That way the initial download is still very, very small, but the thought is that as time goes on and we have more specialized hardware in these servers yeah. we can then push those uh those uh current modules down to those machines uh, right take advantage of it right exactly and so that's that's been one of the the i mean uh, as we go back to our, our founder conversation earlier uh that's one of the big transitions that uh, I, i've been uh, working on or going Very through recently. Cool. is i used to be like uh spending you know 90% of my time writing code and now it's like 20% of my time. And so you know it's 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 weird, right? Code was what I've done for a long what time. What you did, yeah. And yeah. so now that it's that
1: 20%, the things are a bit weird. And now right? you just do podcasts all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean I, I enjoy it though, right? Because like, you know, uh it, there's just uh, it, there's a lot of good information out there that Needs to be told louder, right? Like there's more people need to be aware of you know some of these things that are happening, and and, and uh. But yeah, it's 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 been a, it's been a big transition into less of Jake as a developer and Jake as a CEO. And uh, I mean, I enjoy most of it. Some days not, but that's part of the I guess grind the business. That's part comes right? with it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so uh, let, let's see. I uh, I guess so. Out of the the questions that I had I had asked, I think we so far we've we've gotten through. Uh, almost one. all of them, kind of just <laughs> automatic, right? Uh, but the the one that I, I hadn't, uh, I mean, I guess we've kind of touched on it, uh, but maybe we can dive in a little bit more is, um, so uh, it was as we we're talking about building ecosystems and communities, um, which is, you know, obviously building these ecosystems and, and communities and, and things like that and focusing on sustainability is, is I think, important to both of our companies um but is there any ways that you're enabling your customers to directly get involved with some of these sustainability efforts i mean i know that you talked about like you know making it happen kind of with a magical component and i guess we are already did talk about like if we can make that point where you can tell your customers or you know when it makes sense to run more you know intensive processes depending on workloads and things like that um, but is there any other initiatives uh, that we, I guess we haven't t- talked about yet that are specifically focused on, uh, empower, you know, giving your customers direct
1: access to some of the sustainability efforts? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. The, you know, it's always hard to find, like, the balance in it, like, when you're in physical infrastructure. It's like, where can you engage? Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to build communities um, that may be in software. Right, where open source can be a relatively, I'm going to call it egalitarian, you know, um, uh, uh, prosecution because, hey, what do you need to be able to do to play around with this code? Pretty much just a laptop. But if we're talking about, hey, what do you need to do to play around with this liquid cooling capability? Well, probably an entire mechanical, you know, team and whatever, right? And so it's not exactly, you know, as easy or more straightforward, but you know, I think our, our participation in Linux Foundation has been really great and then working with our supply chain and basically moving them. We've been very, very public about our um, you know, science targets that will get us to to uh, our 2030 goal of net carbon, and we're expecting our partners to come with us, right, in an open way to solve these challenges, not just for us, but for all of this this industry. And so that's been like one big galvanizing thing is using the the oomph of a you know, $70 billion market cap company and related to say like, this is important to us. We're stating publicly that it's key to our, our corporate sustainability model and our business, and we're expecting our supply chain and partners to come with us. Funny enough. A lot of our customers want to come with us too on that, right? Because they they operate data centers or clouds, or they're doing the same things within their own big businesses. So I think that like that's been really nice just to start the conversation, be be a be a strong part of it. And we work with a lot of the the government and nonprofit organizations around that. The European Union and sustainability. The Singaporean government has an initiative. We're working with the city of Dallas on this. Like so, we're engaged throughout. You know, I'm going to call it the governance model as well um, of public policy related to it. Um, know software area we've um donated our provisioning um capability to the cncf so, it's a project called Tinkerbell. Um that's an area where we hope to allow hardware manufacturers and software people to meet for things like, "Hey, how much power is this thing using?" or is there a how do I turn on using my Kubernetes operator, the low power mode, so that way it can you know appropriately or even measure how much power is coming out of the processor? So things like that, you know, I've been working on areas to participate in there. And then frankly, the last thing is just um you know an area of passion and building ecosystems around the similar topics. I don't think, you know, again, like, this is the area that I believe is an opportunity of our time. Like, we need so many layers of the stack to be able to come in an open way that I think there's really an opportunity to to kind of organize community-based efforts, and one of the things that we we operate at at Equinix, these things called ECN, their connection networks, where people have particular topics around social responsibility around um you know uh, i'm gonna call it uh, you know things like gender equality um you know different different kind of causes that we have within um our employee base and one of the big most popular ones is around sustainability and people really want to have an area to put their effort into and so i don't have the answer like but i do think that uh there's more for us to do in creating a space for people who have particular skill sets in the linux kernel or in workload management or in you know physical hardware or mechanical systems to be able to come together and solve some of these super complex things in an open way. Um, so you've 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 continued to inspire me to work on that, but I can't say I have the answer. <laughs>
0: no, but I, I appreciate that. And and again, uh, the, the nice thing is that you know we're we're a number of years into our partnership,
1: and there's still
0: you know still still a lot more to happen.
1: Um... Maybe what we can do is we can make it so that way within the cycle interface, we can somehow show how much carbon was used for any particular part and we could also do things like offset that or we could allow people i've been very inspired by what stripe's done with stripe climate where they have actually invested in carbon capture technology and they can just turn on a button that says take one percent of my revenue and put it towards carbon capture and i've been thinking about that within like cloud computing like could we build sustainability into the actual consumption model so that you could see not only how much energy was being used or carbon was being um, you know um uh, offset or something like that, but also you could do something about it. For example, um, whether it was use a, a lower carbon or lower you know energy data source at the time and move your workload, or you could actually invest in changing that, and we could be a platform or together we could like showcase that within the cycle interface. so let's 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 talk about not how to run workload. Let's run workload better.
0: No, it, it, I, I'm, I'm up for it. And I mean, that's the neat thing is that, you know, today there's, uh, you know, a few hundred servers being managed by Cycle. And if that's something that we can implement and we can do well, then it's not just one small workload that we're changing. It's it's not only the, the hundreds of servers that are connected and managed by Cycle yeah. today, but as time goes on, you know, there, there, it's, it, it's more one more. of those... Uh, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just, no, I don't want to say exponential. It's your network
1: effect. It's there, your network you. effect. There you
0: go. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much, uh, Zach, for 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 taking the time to answer the questions and being on the podcast. It's been uh, great. I, I've really enjoyed our conversation and it's been nice to also have the founder to founder component um, as we've been able to dive into those things. And so I've really appreciated it.
1: Well, thanks, Jake, man. It's great that you're doing it and um, awesome work with Cycle. Thanks for being a partner and a platform um, uh, you know, uh, ecosystem partner of of Equinix. Um, so it's it's really cool to see what you guys have built and what you're doing for customers, and hopefully we'll continue to work on that and make it um, even better. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. All right, Jake.